Are you tired of dealing with unreliable, stodgy business banks that don't care about you or your small business clients? Then you'll love to learn more about Relay, a no-fee online banking and money management platform built for you and your small business clients. With Relay, you get to say farewell to broken bank feeds, password sharing, expired two-factor authentication codes, and vague, incomplete transaction data. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, Relay, later in the episode. It's one of the favorite things I've read, Blake, and here's why. Unlike our favorite Congress people who just like to write letters and bitch, she wrote this blog post with like all these great suggestions in it. Yes. Yeah. Really good ones. And the other thing I love is, and people should just take the, she had, she was using this uh, acronym, MSPs. And I'm like, what the hell is that? So I just dig in. Managed service provider? No, it's most serious problems. Oh, most serious problems. I'm going to start using that. I love it. What are your MSPs? Actually, you could ask your clients that. You'd be like very smart. What are your MSPs? Coming to you weekly from the OnPay Recording Studio, this is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Blake, if you notice, I moved my camera a little bit because now that you're filming these things and putting them online, I almost asked, I almost reported them to like get them removed. Some oh. of these posts because my other camera in the studio, like the camera's too close to my face, and so I'm just trying to present a little bit better here. Put everything's about shirt on, you know. Oh yeah, that's very nice. You're branded up. Everybody is uh, all about video these days, so I figured we should do it too. Why not? A little bit, a little bit. I know. See I if it helps. I don't yeah. have a face for video, man. Well, at least we're not doing this in person, right? That would be a lot more work. We'd have to dress up. I gave my first in-person talk in quite a while this week. I went. I and think I, spoke I saw at, a tweet or something about you. Yeah, I went and I spoke in uh, Jacksonville at the Paget Business Services annual get together of franchisees. I saw Paget. that, and it looked like the speakers were all uh, accounting salon people. I think so. Yeah. Because uh, Amanda Aguilard is the COO there and Jeff Phillips, who founded Accounting Fly, is the uh, CEO. And they have come into this franchise, Paget, which has been around for a long time. And they are modernizing it, bringing the franchisees into the cloud. And so this was a gathering of the top 50 practices. And uh, it was great. It was great going out to meet them and talk to them. And I talked a lot about subscription economy trends. I did my my usual tech trends talk, but I focused almost exclusively on the subscription economy. Did you talk about the car wash in Tucson? <laughs> uh, I know. I, I didn't mention that. That would be, have been a good one. Yeah. Um, most of my examples were actually like bigger technology companies, which probably wasn't that helpful. But I don't know. I, I'm obsessed with the subscription economy now. So I was uh, talking about that. And, and the news that I used as my jumping off point was something that will be uh, perhaps Interesting to our listeners, Netflix and their stock price cratering this quarter. Have you followed that, David? I did see that, yep. Yeah, so Netflix, let's see what it was or where it's at right now. Because they lost subscribers for the first time in a decade, right? Yeah, they're down 67% year to date. And a big portion of that drop happened on a single day. I think it was like more than 30% happened on April 19th or 20th when they released earnings. And uh, I find this fascinating because the headlines about Netflix were all 
Netflix loses 200,000 subscribers, stock price drops 30%. And so I'm curious, what else is going on? Is, is that 200,000 subscribers number the real reason that the stock price fell so much? Yeah. And I, I went and I looked at their financials, and their profits are good. They had a really good quarter. Uh, they had really good cash flow better than many other quarters where they've been growing. And so it really was the subscribers. That's what drove the stock price down. I think this is fascinating because it shows just how much investors care about that metric now. And I think in the past they didn't, they didn't well, yeah, care about subscribers, that. but this goes back to these arguments of like, they don't care about the financials at all because right. you know, they, they're logically stepping back and looking at this of like, okay, Netflix has raised prices. Netflix is what? almost 20 bucks a month now. Maybe I'm paying 22 for the 4K plan with multiple devices. I don't know. I'm paying like 22 bucks a month or something for Netflix. And well, if budgets get tight because of the economic situation here, right? People are like, okay, I can get Netflix that has kind of okay shows right now, or I could get Hulu, Disney, and Paramount for almost the same price together or, you know, yeah. Added up as one Netflix. And so that's what I think the streets really worry about, which is not the financials. Here we go, right? <laughs> right. Like they're not looking at the, they're making they're they're pricing this on perceived future value based on the subscribers and the way the market is. Like Netflix grew for a decade with no competition, basically. Their competition was Blockbuster. But now they have real competition. Well, and I happen to think that the investors are wrong about this. Like people selling the stock are wrong because if you if you look at why Netflix lost subscribers, it was because they pulled out of Russia and they had a ton of subscribers yeah, in Russia. Russia. And then they also raised prices in Q1, which is why even though they lost subscribers, they made more money. Now they have more capacity because <laughs> they raised their prices. Right, I guess. I, although, like, does net? How does that even work with Netflix? Like, I mean, they pay for bandwidth, but you know, I yeah. guess they they can make more shows with that money, right? They have more free cash flow. To make and, more shows. And the problem that that if you want to compare them to like HBO and the other ones, they've kind of depended on their algorithm too much. And this is the problem of algorithms, right? They started making the, the most basic, it's all true crime and average comedy. Like that's your two winners, right? And so it's like, oh, we'll just pump out Adam Sandler films because the amount of minutes it gets watched right? They're not taking chances. In the meantime, HBO is spinning up what's that euphoria and Apple's taking chances. And like these other right, platforms right. are actually creating really, really great shows now, but the algorithms would not have made those shows. Like they, they almost are like a victim of their own success. They keep pumping out like that gets views. So let's make more. Of it's that. really like high fructose corn syrup shows, right? It's yeah, that's, catch that's, up. A, that's a good point. I am a big fan of their new uh, national park show. Our great what, national park. I have not watched it yet. The oh. I'm watching that. It's brilliant. But again, I bet you that one was developed because they saw, oh, so many people watched Planet Earth when we put that on yes. Netflix, right? And it's basically a bit better the next you know generation of Planet Earth. Yeah. So uh, maybe you have a point there. Even though, even though they have competition, though, David, their share of total U.S. time, U.S. TV time, increased. Well, that's, in the last that's quote, right, so. from their founder that they're not, they don't have competition. Their competition is sleep. Like that's kind of their, <laughs> their yeah, they, they have 6.4% of total TV time now. So to get back to the point about the stock price going down and, and that, right, the investors really care about subscribers. 
And so I use that as my jumping off point to talk about why the subscription economy is important, important and how accountants don't really understand the subscription economy. So here I am, I have worked in tech companies for the last four or five years where I've learned how the subscription economy works because that's how we sold our software. It was all SaaS subscriptions. And, and here's what you need to know about it. And here's how you can apply that to your practice because all the really fast growing practices are selling accounting services, tax services as a bundled subscription. And I think the reason that most firms are unable to make that leap from selling hours and services to selling a subscription is because they don't understand the accounting. Because the accounting is different. It's different than Gap. Yeah. Tech companies don't look at the Gap financials unless they become really, really mature. They don't even pay any attention to them. And so I talked about uh, the growth of the subscription economy. Like if you don't know the compound annual growth rate of SaaS companies or, or subscription companies, all subscription type companies over the last 10 years has been 17.5%, which is crazy compared to the S&P 500, which, you know, they've had like growth of 3.8% over 10 years. So the line is just like up and to the right. Whereas and the valuation is even more ridiculous, right? The, yeah, if you're hundred yeah. percent SaaS revenue or whatever recurring revenue, your valuation is right, right. way higher, right? Yeah. And that's the thing, like accounting firms that sell subscriptions can get two to three times their annual recurring revenue when they sell, as opposed to a traditional transactional practice, which is lucky to get one times annual earnings. Like that's a huge difference when you retire or when you want to cash out. I mean, there's a reason Intuit is moved to QuickBooks Desktop too monthly subscription, right? Yeah, yeah. It's painful. It's painful when you do it. There's this famous fish chart that shows revenue dipping and costs rising for a period of time. And that's always what happens when you switch these models over because if you go from selling something upfront at a fixed price there for like a whole year or more, like especially when it comes to software, people would buy one license of QuickBooks Desktop and then use that for years, and then they'd buy another one. Well, once you switch to a subscription model, now you're not getting all that upfront as a company. You're getting it over months and months and months, maybe yeah. 36 months. So now your revenue is down and your costs go up because now you've got to add more value to these customers. So the classic case study is Adobe. When Adobe made this switch, they got hammered quarter after quarter after quarter by the street because their gap financials look terrible. Now they're a huge success story. They are doing better than ever. They're killing it with their unlimited monthly subscriptions to all their apps. It's just incredible. They've brought so many more customers in now because of it that never used to use Adobe products. Oh, if I was into so, it, I'd be doing this. Oh, you, you, get, you get the personal finance, you get tax, you get QuickBooks, you get Pro Series. Like everything Intuit makes, MailChimp, et cetera. You just, I do, like, that's the way to go. So I, um, I'm a big fan of Teen Zwo's book, Subscribed. And in that book, he has a way of describing how SaaS companies look at the world through what he calls the subscription economy income statement. And he basically rewrites, he moves around lines on the income statement to create something that makes sense for a subscription business where a traditional P&L doesn't. And without going into it, because it's hard to visualize it without a visual, it's hard to see it. Basically, it's it's the breakdown of your expenses into recurring and non-recurring costs. 
And what you try to do is you try to figure out what are my recurring costs to support recurring revenue. And the difference between those is my recurring profit. And your recurring profit is what you have to invest in growth. And so the, the reason that subscription businesses will look really unprofitable on a gap basis is because they're taking all that recurring profit, investing it in sales and marketing, which is not viewed as a recurring expense. And that becomes future customers. That becomes future annual recurring revenue. And so if you have good economics where your lifetime value of a customer is greater than their cost to acquire that customer, there's no reason not to plow all of your recurring profit into growth. Because you know that down the route line, you're turning those dollars of sales and marketing into multiple dollars of recurring profit. So in the partnership model, though, it's probably not going to happen. Right. People because get their check, right? Because <laughs> partners are compensated based on their period profit, their profit for this quarter or this year. They're not compensated on future recurring ARR, revenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, have to measure right. everything. you have to change everything to ARR and go from there. Yeah. So there's very little incentive. There's no incentive for an accounting firm. Like the business model or the compensation model just doesn't support this. You'd have to rejigger the whole thing to support this. And actually, that's a really good point, David. Like I think a firm that wants to move to subscriptions should change how they compensate people. Don't compensate them based on the profit for last quarter. Compensate them based on recurring revenue that's been added. So I, I went through like, how do you calculate lifetime value? How do you acquire how do you calculate CAC, cost to acquire a customer? And then that golden ratio, which is you divide lifetime value by CAC. And software companies try to get that at three. So for every dollar of sales and marketing, you try to get $3 of future profit. And the big thing is, and this is hard for accountants, is you don't view sales and marketing as a period expense. You view it as a CapEx. Because think about it. What are you doing when you acquire ARR? You are building an annuity. It's an intangible asset. That customer that you just got by spending on sales and marketing, they're going to stick with you for X number of years and deliver X amount of profit over that yeah, time. As long as you keep providing value, they're going to not leave. As soon as, yeah, as you- long as you, yeah. And, and you can even build the churn, you build the churn into the lifetime value. So you assume that they're going to leave you eventually because yeah. every customer does. And, and even so, if they do though, usually too, right? You, you leave- it takes you six months to cancel your subscription. <laughs> You're like, I don't think yeah. I'm getting this value to Netflix. I'll give it another month try. I'll give it another month try. Then it takes you six months. Like, finally, I'm just going to kill it. I'm not using it anymore. It's, I haven't watched it in six months, but it takes a long time. You just waste money on SaaS. Yep. And so then I, I also told the story about the, the Steve Jobs accounting change that we talked about last episode and how if, if you try to like measure your firm on individual P&Ls for each department, each team, each job, you will never do this because software companies, uh, subscription businesses, they think about the revenue first and then the cost second. You don't price based on costs. You price and then you try to minimize your costs so that you achieve maximum profit. And that's really hard because it's backwards. Transactional accounting is all about building products, widgets, right? And you accumulate all these costs. You buy a machine, you make the widgets, you put in your labor costs, your overhead, and now you've got a price, a cost per widget after you make them, right? And then you go yeah. out and you sell them and you're, the difference between your sales price and your inventory cost, cost of goods sold is your you know, profit, right? Yeah. But in a subscription, you go out and you get the customer. 
and then you provide the service and your costs come second. And it's a total, and that, that, to, that was a realization I had recently that I, it's my theory is that gap accounting, because it goes the other way, makes it really hard for us as accountants to understand and value the subscription economy. Even when we see how successful subscription businesses are and we use them ourselves and we like them, right? We, we prefer them. Everybody prefers a subscription versus paying one off. Like who wants to go buy CDs again? I'd mm -hmm. rather pay whatever it is, 10 to 20 bucks a month to get unlimited music. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Scrutinize. The month-end close can be stressful, causing quality reviews to sometimes fall by the wayside. There just isn't enough time to manually review all the data. But what if you could audit clients' books in seconds instead of hours? Scrutinize automates recurring financial reviews. Scrutinize connects to your QuickBooks or Zero file, then quickly scrutinizes the data by searching for dozens of common issues, audits the user activity, and analyzes transaction volumes. Whether fixing simple clerical errors, surfacing potential fraud, or uncovering deeper issues like process breakdowns, staff training gaps, or other apps running amok, Scrutinize helps your team drive the quality outcomes your clients depend on. You can even use Scrutinize to help you scope and price new clients by analyzing the monthly transaction volume and surfacing areas of their books that will need attention. To request a demo and to start your 14-day free trial, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash scrutinize. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash S-C-R-U-T-I-N-I-Z-E. I have some other uh, news I can bring in here. Uh, yeah, like, let, so let's let's get to the news, right? I, let's talk about. I have a follow up on the. Uh, was it a Obsidian? Obsidian? Who's the uh, the the world's first online accountant? Blah blah blah. That pulled the plug a week before tax deadlines. Obsidian. Um, Obsidian. Yeah. yeah. Or Obsidian, so, or whatever you call so, it. So just to you know, it's not just the tech companies apparently doing this. There was an article. So this is a firm in Lambert, Michigan, uh, and this is on you know that. 13 ABC, kind of the local news coverage, you know, like the 13 on your side where they're going to, so they started getting calls and complaints. Apparently on the morning of tax day, April 18th, 2022, dozens were waiting outside the office offices on Summerfield road for owner Brandy Bunch to finish the job. I saw this. <laughs> they basically, uh, so there's brunch accounting and tax. The doors were closed locked and everything's locked up and these people can't get the returns. They just want at least their paperwork back so they can give it to a different firm. I don't know why this has happened. There's not a lot of details on this, but yeah, it's not just the tech companies. I don't know. It, it, it's just sad, you know, in a way, because it, it, uh, like, who knows what's I know. going I'm, on personally I, that causes firm not to get these tax returns done. Um, you know, I've never seen a LinkedIn. news story like this. I've never seen a news story where like the, the, the tax prep shop just shut down and everybody's left in a lurch. I mean, I know it happens, right? Especially if somebody dies, but this kind of thing, yeah. Very I feel unusual. like this industry is like, hey, and who knows? It could be a personal issue. It could, who knows, right? Like, whatever it is, but I think the industry is kind of open to like, all right, I'll help you out. I'll, I'll get extensions filed for all your clients for you. I, I just think that's the community we're in. But yeah, it's a, it's a shame. But this was covered, yeah, like local news, digging in, where's my, you know, where are my returns? Um, and, and obviously something went wrong. It doesn't, this was not a, they, they just spun up this year and they vanished. Like she's uh, on LinkedIn, so she's been around for nine years. Mm -hmm. You know, um, offering appointments six days a week. So something obviously this is went wrong. the ultimate impact of burnout right there. Yeah. Just, just straight up fled. 
fled during tax season. I'm yeah. done. And then just like two other things in this article. One is they actually say that some of the clients were contacting the police to get involved to try to get their documents back. And then one of the clients went to the IRS website and it says there hasn't been a tax return filed. But I saw a huge article from the taxpayer advocate this week. And I think you saw it too about yes. the IRS website. I'm doing air quotes yeah. here. Yeah. It's kind of neat that that client was able to go online and see whether or not the return was filed. But that's one of the very few things that you can actually do online with the IRS. There's a whole bunch of stuff you can't. And National Taxpayer Advocate Aaron Collins wrote a blog post this past week urging the IRS to expand online services for taxpayers, tax professionals, and businesses while reducing its reliance on paper to improve taxpayer service. So what recommendations- It's one of the favorite things I've read, Blake, and here's why. Unlike our favorite Congress people who just like to write letters and bitch, she wrote this blog post with like all these great suggestions in it. Yes. Yeah. Really good ones. And the other thing I love is, and people should just take the, she had, she was using this uh, acronym, MSPs. And I'm like, what the hell is that? So I just dig in. Managed service provider? No, it's most serious problems. Oh, most serious problems. I'm going to start using that. I love it. What are your MSPs? Actually, you could ask your clients that. You'd be like very smart. What are your MSPs? Yeah. I mean, ideally, the IRS could become very self-service if tax pros and taxpayers could plug into the databases and ask service themselves. A lot of times when you call up, you're just asking for information. Like, was this filed? What's the payment due on this? Where did you apply this payment? You know, what's the, what's the current amount due? All, all that, all that stuff. You could just expose that and we could go get it ourselves. Yeah. And she really calls out like in this article, how there was a couple oddball tools here and there like check my return, these little apps for kind of individuals. But really it's complete inadequate for taxpayers, businesses, and tax professionals. Like it's mm-hmm. really just for the professionals and businesses, it's super, super lacking on what you need to do with the IRS. Yeah, yeah. Some basic stuff like the ability to send and receive messages with the IRS. You can't do that right now other than fax and mail. The ability to upload or download documents or data electronically chat with an IRS representative, receive emails of pending action items, and electronically access notices or correspondence together with the ability to upload responses. And she'd also like taxpayers to be able to obtain filing or payment reminders and regular billing statements online, check the status of an original or amended tax return, receive notification of delays and instructions on how to clarify an issue, and communicate with an IRS revenue agent, revenue officer, or appeals officer. And, and it's great because she frames this like in a very, very smart way. Like she uses a sentence here. However, the online account application, and when she says application, this is like the app, right? The website falls short of providing what tax paper, taxpayers want, need, and expect for service. Like it's just, this goes back to these conversations about like what your client's expectations are, like solve for the client. The IRS is not solving for the client, for the customer. No. But to be fair, they're just trying to keep up with that paper backlog. They don't have enough (laughs) people to process that stuff. Like we talked about in previous episodes, they're still keying in all the data into the transcripts tool in order to process anything. They have no way to scan documents and optically do optical character recognition and put them in the way we can with all of our stuff. It's it's really a shame. And she argues, right, that the, the lack of this is what's clogging up the phone lines. And she actually in this proposes 
for lack of better words, a TurboTax Live model or a QuickBooks Live model. Let's call it IRS Live. You're in the website. You can log in. You can check payments. You can check your status. You can chat if you want. Oh, I need a little, I have a teeny question. Maybe I can just chat it really quick with an IRS agent. Maybe they jump up on a video call with you. Like Mm. essentially she's proposing IRS Live. And if you can self-serve most of your stuff and just get a 10 second answer while you're on the website right then, you're not going to call up the IRS phone lines. Right. Like it doesn't have to be this face-to-face IRS phone line thing. And it, it just really thought it was funny how she's thinking about this from a, she's a holistic experience, right? This like IRS live. It's just, she's really thinking about the experience, which is just amazing. I don't know if anybody's listening to her other than us, but. I know. Well, here's my question is, this is a great idea. It's a specific project, which is creating a comprehensive online portal for taxpayers and tax professionals. Why can't Congress just fund that? They don't have to argue about increasing audits. They don't have to argue about all that stuff, enforcement. Just put money toward building this or maybe just hire. Yeah. Maybe just hire a company to build it for them. I mean, there's there's plenty of self-service portals that businesses of all kinds use, really big ones. And so that- and she also yeah. came out and she said she strongly encourages the IRS to prioritize the ability for tax professionals to view this data for their clients mm-hmm. because that ultimately will save phone calls to the IRS and et cetera, et cetera. So she's solving for the bigger industry, which ultimately solves for the IRS. You want to get to the app news because we didn't get that last Yeah, but week. there's a lot of app news. I'm just making sure there wasn't anything else. Oh, the only other thing she, she really suggested, which she basically describes, you know, like when you get a package from... Amazon, you can watch it being shipped all the way to the truck when it's five stops away. Yeah. That should happen with your return. Yeah. Well, most accounting firms should have that too. (laughs) Right. That would, that would reduce the call volume during busy season is if you could just automatically let your clients know the status of their return at every stage. The last status I have is when I took a photo in the priority mail envelope, I put it in at the post office before I mailed my paper return. That's it. I have no idea what's going on with my 2020 return. It's out the door. I don't even know if it was delivered. (laughs) That's where I'm at. So let's get to app news. I want to kick things off with a comment on uh, the Digits interview that I did with Wayne Chang of Digits. Did you see that? I did did listen to the interview. Yep. Bonus episode. Bonus episode. So if anybody is listening, it's be the one between episode 275 and 276. There's a bonus episode. Yeah, what'd you think? I thought it was uh, short and concise. I also feel like, um, I don't know if naive is the right word. Like there's there's some part of it that feels very naive of what this industry is like. But another way, another sense though, I, I heard him, I mean, when he talked about like, oh, we raised all this money because we know it's going to take a long time to like win accountants, right? Which I thought was kind of interesting. So at some level, it's like, it feels like, it's green, but at the same time, he's like, I recognize I'm green. I don't know. Yeah, that's that That was good. I like that part about what Wayne said. I got a message from a founder who will rena- remain anonymous, and I wanted to read that. He said, oh boy, do I feel better as a founder in the space after listening to this podcast? Not sure how he didn't have an answer for how he is different from Fathom or Reach. I heard a lot of Silicon Valley jargon without any connection to actual accountants or how people really work with clients. Maybe they do figure it out, given how much money they have, so I'll stop piling on. Overall, really impressive job balancing challenging him while going through the interview. 
So thank you to our anonymous listener who sent me that that message. Uh, I'm glad you liked it. It wasn't easy. We didn't have a lot of time either. I wanted to dig in more. And I've been thinking about that a lot, the, the answers, the questions. And I guess the the question I still have is, and I don't think anybody has solved this in the reporting space, or I suppose like the opportunity is you can get all accountants to use this reporting tool to replace Excel for reporting to their clients. Because that's what people are doing now. Most firms export to Excel, create the reporting package, PDF it, or send the Excel file to their client. And that's a time-consuming task. It's a big manual process. And you could save an hour or more per client per month if you could automate that. Now, why hasn't anyone figured out how to do that yet? And I think the... and we'll have to talk about when we get to the Intuit app news this month for April's updates. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, maybe they'll figure it out. But like, I, I feel like the reason it hasn't happened yet is because reporting is a very customized thing. And so if you're going to build a reporting tool that somebody can roll out for their whole practice, it really has to handle all the edge cases. Because what will happen is you'll have this beautiful set of reports and then a client will say like, oh, I need this thing for my business, this additional report. And now you're back in Excel, having to build it, pull the data in from somewhere, build the report, send it. And Excel is the most flexible system there is for reporting. You can do anything with it. And so that's what we all end up using. And so that's why it's really hard to build a reporting solution for accountants because every business is different. And I mean, even if you have a firm where all their clients are the same, their their particular industry, chances are your solution, which is for all types of businesses, isn't going to have the thing they need for their particular industry. So and, it's really hard think, to build an all-in-one like, uh, reporting tool. Kevin O'Leary said when we were at uh, the Sage Tech conference, right? Like every business is an everything business, right? <laughs> like it's not just a restaurant anymore. It's a restaurant with an e-commerce store for their barbecue sauce and yeah. t-shirts. And like no, like right. no business is just a business. So like how... You're right. Like every business is super unique at some level, right? They're not yeah. very, unless it's, I, I think dental offices, I think seem to be very cookie cutter, but that's about it. Like, yeah. No, and no offense think, to the, and all the dentists are going to light us up on. Well, no, I mean, I'm sure even they have like a variety of different services they Models. offer. Like, do yeah. you do the teeth whitening machine? You know, like maybe your dentist wants to see the the margin on just that, right? And oh, if the reporting tool can't pull in some metric from the dental so, uh, dental practice management software, you got to do it manually. So that's the, that's the challenge of reporting is, and, and maybe that's what they'll do with all that money. So what, what's the QuickBooks tie-in you mentioned? Oh, so QuickBooks had announced their, um, their online April 22 updates. And the very first thing listed here is spreadsheet syncs for QuickBooks online advance. I so saw that. Microsoft Excel now directly connects with QuickBooks online advance, making data transparent and reporting a lot easier. I'm assuming this is their data deer acquisition. Right. They've and data deer is an add-on for Excel mm-hmm. that connects to QuickBooks and then imports your data automatically. And so essentially you have live Excel spreadsheets oh. connected to data in QuickBooks updating real time. Right. It goes yeah. back to what you said. Like, it takes a long time to create these reports. Well, maybe it's going to take less time. And the second piece of this announcement, they have another announcement. They've now integrated FP&A so- software now. And this is a company called Centage Planning Maestro. Maestro? How do you say this word? Uh, 
Scentage, planning, Scentage. maestro. Maestro, maestro. Yep. Got it. Like and maestro, like, you know. Maestro, like musician. Maestro musician, of an orchestra. Okay, got it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, all right, everybody, just to let you know, like, when you start recording these things and you see words on the screen, your brain does not, like, process them correctly sometimes. You just see the letters and you're like, I, how do you see this word? But, I think we all we all forgive you, David. It's I right, good. It's not easy. But this actually, it's funny, like over here on one hand, like, oh my God, connecting to Excel in real time, like very exciting. Then I, I went out to the, this, uh, this other Centage's website. Centage. Centage. And it looks like, like percentage. old school desktop enterprise sales. Like there's no screenshots. There's not really like, it looks like an old school yeah. website. It doesn't feel like a SaaS type thing. And I'm kind of like, is this like a two steps forward, one step back on this? Um, you you were at Drav. Like, what's your take on the them integrating um, FP&A into QuickBooks Online events? So I interviewed at Centage for a position at one point in the past, and uh, I really like the the leadership there. Didn't end up joining, obviously, but they are a product that's been around for years. Like I want to say decades, and desktop based originally, and they have migrated that software to the cloud. They were, I think, big with QuickBooks Enterprise, right? Connecting your data into Centage and then doing FP&A pretty early before others. But yeah, they they definitely have that disadvantage of being a more legacy product that's being cloud modernized. But some products like FP&A software can do that and be very successful because there's a lot to do with FP&A to build it from scratch. So if you've been around for a while, you've already solved a lot of the problems that the newer companies are just encountering. So, you know, I imagine this deal happened because of that long-term relationship with the uh, QuickBooks Enterprise. Like they were deep at the enterprise team. Yeah. I, I feel like it. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And, and, and again, when you do this sort of thing, you want, like if you do a partnership with QuickBooks Online Advanced, you want a solution that can handle all the edge cases. Yeah, or has the 20 years of depth in the app. So yeah, yeah. That's what I mean by that, yeah. And there's two other uh, kind of, interesting ones that were in the announcements. Usually I blow off the online, uh, the announcements that they put out, but like this one, all four kind of caught my eye. They are going to start uh, opening up QuickBooks early pay for the employees. And this one's really interesting to me because it really works back to, if I go back to view my paycheck. So when I built view my paycheck, first it would just, we'd have the pay stubs for employees available on Fridays. And we changed because most, most employers would upload on Wednesday with direct deposit. So we opened it up. So as soon as we got the pay stubs, we let employees view them. And we shifted the entire traffic on the website from Fridays to Wednesdays. So even though people weren't getting paid till Friday, they were coming in on Wednesday to see how much they were going to get paid because they're budgeting basically, right? They're trying to plan. And so now they can right inside that app, which is now called Workforce, it's not called View My Paycheck anymore. They can actually request early paychecks, essentially. And so Intuit's going to send them Uh the money. Intuit floats the money. It's similar to a lot of those other early pay services that are out there where you can get your pay cool. two days early. A lot of yeah, it yeah, is doing yeah. this. And so it's built right in, which makes perfect sense. This is going to drive more traffic to the consumer side of Intuit, right? Eventually drives them to TurboTax and all the consumer products mm-hmm. that Intuit has. But that's kind of a exciting that that's out there. And then the other one is, again, there seems to be another Connect to Square app. <laughs> like... Like the, like, I think this is like the fourth or fifth Connect to Square app that's either been built by Intuit, Square, together they paid third parties to build them. Like, So there's a legacy Square app that's going to be retired May 15th, 2022, and you have to connect to the new Square app. Another one. Another one. Another one. 
This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Relay. The other day, Chris Maskey of Prefix Accounting tweeted the following, quote, not so hot take. If your business banking cannot maintain a stable QBO connection, you do not, in fact, have a business account. That's a cheap knockoff of a real bank account, end quote. And I could not agree more. What's the point of a business banking account if it doesn't integrate with your accounting tech stack? Relay is a no-fee online business banking and money management platform built for you and your clients. Relay integrates into your tech stack with direct integrations to QuickBooks Online, Zero, and Gusto, and improves your workflows by allowing members of your team to have their own set of secure login credentials to clients' banking data. No more bugging your client for two-factor authentication codes. And did I mention the ultra-reliable bank feeds? And your clients get powerful online banking features like 20 individual checking accounts and 50 physical or virtual MasterCard debit cards, which can be assigned to their team members. To stop fighting with, as Chris tweeted, a cheap knockoff of a real bank, and instead get a business bank account that cares about you and your small business clients, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash relay. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash R-E-L-A-Y. Relay, business banking for your accounting tech stack. Did you see the news that Brex acquired Pry Financials? Yes. They paid 90 million dollars for the 10-person software startup, Pry Financials. And I know about Pry because they were on our competitive radar at, at Giraffe. They do pro forma spreadsheets, or they replace them, is what they say, right? The, uh, the forecasting, financial projections, scenario planning, hiring plan, KPI dashboard, all that. I never heard of them, so I hooked it up. I connected it. It seemed to connect to my QuickBooks, but it seems, unless I really go in and connect it to payroll apps and project out employees. I don't know what I'm going to use it for. I just try to build. Yeah. You got to build like a financial model with it. Yeah. And I thought this was interesting because Brex is, how do they define themselves? I mean, they're basically online spend management, credit cards and banking now. Well, bill pay, banking. They already started building dashboards. We talked about this, like, and like they're, they're going on the march to be a full financial tech stack, not just expenses. Yeah. Right. Everybody is, thinks they're QuickBooks. Like you know, that that's maybe a t-shirt. Well, well, for the next two years, everybody thinks they're QuickBooks. Well, they want to be, right? I want to be QuickBooks. Yeah. But it's like such an ambitious thing to do. And I mean, I always wonder when they start doing this thing, like maybe you should just stay in your lane <laughs> rather than trying to be everything to everyone. But you know, if you can if you can do it, then you're gonna be I mean, I've always felt that like nobody's won. Expense cards yet. <laughs> right. Why not just win that <laughs> first, right? Like, like you have a very nice business if you just win that. Yeah. Just, just win it, right? And then then after you win that, now you can do anything you want. But like, it's you're right. Does this distract companies when they start adding? Like, I think we saw like that expensive roadmap. They want to do payroll and they want to do this. You know, everybody wants to add a GL. Like, does that really distract and, and make the... And it's funny because I've seen Intuit even. The pendulum swings to where Intuit in the past acquired a construction app and a nonprofit app and they all these desktop apps and they eventually sold them all because it was just too distracting. You ruin your core offering, right? If you do these things. So here's where I think the Pry acquisition could be really, really valuable for Brex. And this is what I hope they would build. Um, one of the problems with spend management is that often the cards and the limits are not linked to the budget. So you as a controller or a CFO, you have to manually enter these amounts Genius. to 
restrict employees from spending too much. You know, set the budget. You have your budget that's over. That's the big in, sell of all these new card startups. You can control right. the budget on each virtual card for each employee and all that. But where does that budget come from? Right. You have to go and manually update it all the time. Every time your forecast changes, every time your budget changes, which in a startup and fast growing company is, if you're using FPNA software, can be every week. And then it dynamically changes and updates people's budgets Spend. and cards. That's genius, Blake. You could dynamically update the marketing spend card for Google Ads to set the limit so that it doesn't go over. It's really, really smart. It's Without, very, you know, very smart. So I, I think that's what they would be doing. And I, mean, I think that's what I they talked should about be doing. that before when we did a webinar with Giraffe and Melio before where you make your plan and it goes and adjusts all the dates of the bills inside of something like the bill payments in Melio. Right. Like, so there's right. Like that's the, like, I, I don't buy into like a lot of like reporting apps and financial planning apps and cash flow apps, unless they start doing stuff like that, they yeah. actually do something with the data because it's so much work and you get no benefit from the data. I mean, maybe you do yeah. if you're a certain segment of the It's population. like, why can't, why can't I go into like QuickBooks and have like a date for payment date? along with due date, right? And I could just set that for all of my bills and then it's hooked up to Melio or whatever my payment processor is. And then it just pays them for me well, without me having I mean, to go into some Melio separate system. that is built into QuickBooks. I mean, it does do that. The QuickBooks online built by Melio. But you but, gotta go click pay when you wanna pay it, right? Why can't I just like schedule them all out we can. and have it do it automatically? Oh, you can, okay. Yeah, you can schedule those payments into the future. Yeah. But in general, like you're right, like I, I, I you want the calendar or you drag and drop and you move things around. Like, or or link it to my to cash. It. it was genius. Link it to my cash flow projection, right? Like my cash flow projection separate from my payments is like much less useful. Anyway. There's another major piece of news about QuickBooks that came out. Um, and this is on the Woodard report. The headline of the article is QuickBooks Connect resumes on-premise event in 2022. So if you Ooh. haven't heard yet, QuickBooks Connect is going to be in Las Vegas, December 7th and 9th. It looks 7th like through 9th. 7th through 9th. And it looks like it's just going to be accounts, bookkeepers, pro advisors, VARs, uh, app partners, et cetera. It's not going to be any small businesses. But the real key to this article, right? The real headline should have been the this, this sentence that's in the third paragraph. Intuit also announced that the company will no longer participate in the Scaling New Heights conference. We knew that was coming. I feel like that was coming. I, I feel like it's been coming for years. Yeah, ever since Woodard opened up to non. Well, Intuit Zero is a sponsor of the products, year. right? Right. Like Intuit's so big, they they can muscle around. They don't want to play in the same sandbox as Zero or any of the other GLs. You know, they want their own thing. Yeah. So, so it's it's kind of interesting because I, I do feel like every year, a couple of weeks out of before scaling new heights, Joe somehow gets in the news. <laughs> like, like it wasn't the bankruptcy. It was this or zero's coming. Like it's just, it's just always, which is good, right? Like yeah, all yeah, news yeah. is good news and he gets in the news, right? If you start talking about his conference, it gets out there, but yeah, so that's a big change. For those who aren't familiar with these conferences, I would highly recommend if you're in the small business accounting services space, if you're providing accounting services to small businesses, you use QuickBooks or zero, go to scaling new heights and Go to QuickBooks Connect because they're, and go to ZeroCon. ZeroCon, those yeah, are, absolutely. Those are the the three best conferences to meet people building small firms, solopreneurs, uh, solo CPAs. Small and if you firms. have your cast team, right, and they need you have clients on QuickBooks and Zero, I mean, oh yeah, 
a lot of people go to the Woodard Conference is because it's all about certification and training. Like literally people are in classes at 7 a.m. getting training classes. It's kind of crazy. And, and he keeps it. And not only that, he, he starts it a day early. People go a day early to start doing training classes. But make sure to leave time for the meeting people and the networking because that for me was and what fun stuff. launched. That launched my whole life in this space was meeting people at it was Scaling New Heights. That was my first conference ever. Well, we'll, we'll see everybody, right? We're going to be at yeah. Accounting Web in like two weeks, three, whatever that is. And we'll be at Accounting Web. We'll be at Scaling New Heights. We'll be at ASCPA Engage. Of course, we'll be at ZeroCon. Of course, we're going to be at QuickBooks Connect. Yeah. So, oh, and the other, other news related to this is QuickBooks Connect tickets and more info comes out late May, apparently. They don't have any, you can't register for it yet. This is just an announcement. Got but it. If you watch this on accountingconferences.com, you'll know when it, when it changes. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Canopy. Accounting practice management software should bring together all your firm's mission-critical functions in one place. Client management, document management, workflow, time and billing, and payments to keep your team organized. Canopy knows that not all firms are on the same practice management journey or timeline, so Canopy lets you build your practice management platform as you need it. You start with client management as your foundation, then you choose the modules that your firm needs. And since nobody likes paying for modules they don't use, they offer modular pricing as well. Canopy integrates with QuickBooks Online, Xero, FreshBooks, CRMs, form builders, spreadsheets, calendars, email, and Zapier. They have a mobile app, centralized file management, fillable PDFs, a client portal, task management, and the list goes on and on. Via their integration with the IRS, you can easily retrieve all your clients' transcripts, notices, and child tax care credit payments without leaving Canopy. To try Canopy free for 30 days, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Canopy. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash C-A-N-O-P-Y. I found a new accounting firm with engineers. Another one. Another one. Formations. What a great name. What a great name. I love it. Formationscorp.com is the name of the website. Is the URL for formations. I'm typing that right now. A couple of weeks ago, they raised an $8 million Series A led by Arthur Ventures. David, as you take a look at the website, you will see that they are an accounting firm that doesn't really look like a traditional accounting firm. They have their own technology, or so it appears from the screenshots on the website, and they provide these accounting services. You can see that from the team. They have accountants, they have bookkeepers. And the thing that really strikes me is that they are super focused on the self-employed, setting up S-Corps for freelancers, self-employed people, and handling their tax planning, handling their saving for retirement, doing their bookkeeping, their accounting. Are they offering a bank and a credit card? They'll open a, they'll help you. So here's under the, how it works. It's actually quite, quite good. And I would recommend everyone take a look at this. If you're thinking about building a, how it works flow for your own website. Step one is incorporation. So if you're an LLC, they'll turn you into an S corp. If you already have an S corp, good. They'll take over helping you manage it. Uh, or they'll set everything up for you from the beginning if you don't have anything. They will help you open a business bank account. They will then you know, help you keep it separate from uh, your personal finances. And it looks like from the screenshot, they'll help you do Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, or Relay. Kind of cool. Then they'll track your income, your business income. They'll help you with payroll, profit distributions, 
They'll help you with retirement and benefits, the benefits you get now as an S-Corp, and then they'll do your taxes at the end of the year. 1099s, K-1s, W-2s, file your business tax return, and they can do your personal as well. So it's an all-in-one tax, accounting, banking solution. And I imagine that the like the reason they took the raise is probably to eventually build out their own in the same way Collective is and all these other ones we've seen that are really going after that sole proprietor type LLC and offering the banking services, controlling the bank feed. They have one bank account, right? And building it from there. Mm-hmm. But, but I think this is what yeah. people want, right? Like, okay, you're gonna do my personal taxes and my business yeah. tax. Yeah. Yeah. This this is what all those, you know, business clients, the the what do we call the micro businesses want. They just want one place that's going to handle their bookkeeping, help them plan for taxes, retirement, do the tax return all in one place. And I was curious who their customers are. And it's a lot of real estate brokers. So it doesn't say that on their website that that's only who they serve, but that seems to be where they've gotten started. Lots of real estate brokers, uh, real estate owners. But they also have like a guy who does graphic design and web development on their customers page. They've got a recruiter. They've got a consultant. They've got a creative director. So I don't know. I just, I love this from a marketing standpoint. I love the focus on one type of customer and really growing it because everything you do then, all your processes can be so streamlined to just serve that customer. And I'm going to bet you that it's subscription pricing. So it's price subscription pricing. And, and so if you go to their site, they have a calculator. Formationscorp.com. Yeah, what's the calculator? And and everybody should stop, pause the podcast, go there and just go through this calculator. It's like you you tell them your business entity, you tell them your revenue, your expenses, your benefits. And so basically what they're doing is they're figuring out what they're going to, what services you need and what they're going to sell you. But it's beautiful. Like, like I've been arguing, I've been on the client side of this space and I'm like, this is, this is super easy to use. Like everybody go there and look at this little interview you go through and the questions you ask. Now, the one thing they're blowing though, at the end, you get to this question that says, what is your total annual cost for managing your business financials? And they sh- and you basically have a drop down like 500 to 1500, 1500 to 3500. But they need to rephrase this question to your time, your effort. It's not just that cost, right? Like it should be like, how much time do you spend working on your business financials instead of actually running your business, right? They need to frame it into the cost. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's like, it's beautiful, right? Um, now let's see what happens when I go to the taxes tab. And then how much did I pay in taxes last year? Let's make up some so, numbers. So I just, I blasted through it. And at the end, what you get is a, you can keep up to X dollars in your pocket every year. They estimate how much you can save based on all the stuff. So you if I use them, get I just, our recommendation. it says I can save $23,000, not assuming I typed any answers correctly or not correctly. So now if they sent, quote me a price of $5,000 a year, like it seems reasonable price, right? Like it's actually like, I don't know how much tech to have in the background, but just onboarding interview thing is great. Yeah. It's well done. And they don't have the pricing on their website, uh, which means they might be value pricing. Uh, yeah, which you could request a consultation. Yeah. Right, which you could do if you're very focused. You know, value pricing takes a lot of time, which is why a lot of firms don't do it. But if you only have one type of client with a very specific scope of work, you can value price easier. And uh, I found a press release from 2020 when they launched, and it said something about starting at $200 per month. Formations is available in a subscription model starting as low as $200 per month. So, But it's very clear they're going to f- 
because I, I can get the results of my little questionnaire I just did. And yeah. it's going to have all the recommendations and it's going to run me into $700, $800 a month, if not more, very quickly. Well, and very they've, already, they've already told you, you can save $20,000 a year in taxes with the right planning, right? So when they say, we're going to charge you X thousands of dollars, yep. you think, hey, that's it a good deal. I don't have to worry about this anymore. And you're going to save me this money that I'm paying right now because I'm not set up right. That's value. That's value pricing. So what, did you see Sage has a new logo? I saw that Sage rebranded and then I clicked through and it, is it true that the only thing they did is the new, the new logo or is there more to it? Well, I mean, they're going to, um, expand, uh, their like Sage membership benefits, right? They'll get automatic access to member benefits as members, member classes. But, okay. Well, but, like so we, but we got to talk about the logo. Yeah. The logo what itself. Think, what do you think about it? <sighs> it feels amateur and, and I don't know how to like, they probably paid lots of money for it. But if I think about like the Intuit logo and it has the, like there's the little hidden imagery, you know, like the FedEx logo has that hidden arrow and the Amazon has a smile, right? There's the hidden mm-hmm. imagery in logos. Intuit has the the heads on the T's and it looks like little people, right? And then the hidden, uh, it's in between the, the U and I, right? Like there's a lot of hidden messaging in there. You can look at the zero logo and it has the the dot inside the zero, you know, like you're zeroing in on a target. Like it's, there's those hidden imagery. Like well, what's the hidden thing in the Intuit? What's the th- hidden thing in the Intuit Well, logo? you have the two people. So the I, oh, the, the dots people. are not yeah. on eyes. They're over the T's. So they're like little people. Uh, and then it's, cool. and then the U and I is between yeah. the two people, right? Like you and I, there's a relationship, but it's got hidden messaging in there. Yeah. This, the, I don't think it really has any. Now what they did is they took the S and the S is essentially upside down. It becomes the G. No, right? it's not upside and, down. It, or is flipped. It? No. Yeah, that's the same, same, same exact letter. They just flipped it. Well, no, it goes the same direction. Okay, so they flipped it and turned it. No, they didn't turn it. They just—it's the same exact letter. Oh, they just shoved they it just down. That's right. They just lowered it, down. it. That's right. They just lowered it. it. Okay. But so, so that's like interesting between the two. But I think it just—I don't know. It, it, it seems okay, but it also feels like Canva. I don't know. <laughs> like somebody just—all it is is a font. It was just a font. Yeah, I don't think a rebrand is going to help. Sage Global's problems, <laughs> you know, like maybe focus on uh, unifying your products into a single experience. But this is going to, they're going to be the official supporter of the 2023 Rugby World Cup. Okay. I think I just saw Zero sponsoring like mm-hmm. women's soccer, some women's soccer league. Like they found that's the, like all the sports sponsorships into it, obviously with the LA Clippers and that stadium, like all the cloud accounting apps are going after the mm-hmm. sporting markets. Well, I got some more news about Sage. All right. They made an acquisition. They have acquired Mateo Cloud Savings and Loan Software so nonprofit and faith-based organizations can maximize donations. And so I thought, oh, what is Mateo? I'm I'm intrigued. Sounds kind of Italian, uh, fancy. So Mateo is this niche software by a company called Mass Integrated Solutions, MAS, but guess what it does? It's a plugin for Sage Intact, like an add-on, that allows you to record transactions like you're a bank, like you're a savings and loan. Like why would why would a non-bank want to do that? And I guess it's because Catholic dioceses act as savings and loans for parishes and schools. Yeah. So you can, if you're a parish or a church, right, you can uh you can deposit money with the diocese that will like take care of it for you and invest it for you. And then, you know, so the diocese has to be able to give you a bank statement and that's what this software does. 
So the, the diocese uses intact, and I know that intact's really big with Catholic diocese. Uh, and, and then that, that's how they do it. They can do withdrawals, deposits, all that stuff. I thought that was a really interesting niche application. Yeah. I saw another interesting acquisition here. Thomson Reuters announced today that they acquired Gesta, G-E-S-T-T-A. I'm like, what is this? It's described as an accounting automation software. Founded in 2016, Gesta's accounting software solution enables customers to automate their workflows, people management, customer service, secure document archiving, among and other capabilities. Over 600,000 companies are on this. I'm like, what is this? Okay, I'm like, so I find out, I, I Google it, I find it, I go to their website. So it Websites is essentially in Brazil. It's a Brazilian ah. website. It's kind of like the QuickBooks of Brazil in a way for accounting firms or something. And then you start scrolling down, you really start realizing the size of it. And they have a the largest WhatsApp group of accountants in Brazil with 2,000 accountants actively participating in that. Huh. And so they, it's a, Brazil's high. We talked about that other firm that took that huge amount that had the little mall kiosk set up, right? For self-employed, like Brazil is mm -hmm. super hot. We should figure out how to get down there. And to, I know, right? I'd do, love to go visit. Oh so I thought God. that was a really interesting um, acquisition by Thompson Reuters. And then- So wait, wait, wait. So I'm just, I'm on the website. I just yeah. got to- point out this feature. So you said they have the largest WhatsApp group of accountants? Yes. Gesta. So their website says they have a WhatsApp integration in their accounting system. See that, that sort of thing would just be brilliant. So instead of following up with customers on invoices via email, message, be able to message them, right? Like people read text messages, they read WhatsApp messages. Like every, every system should do that. Every accounting system should let when you When the Melio text. founders were starting Melio, they set up a bookkeeping firm and they basically had found a business and that business owner only interacted with them through WhatsApp and they'd take a photo of their bill into WhatsApp and then they would obviously pay it manually on the back end and then send a message back through WhatsApp said, oh, your payment's been made. Right? They actually built the first prototypes of Melio were built in on top of- It was of, just a messaging platform. In WhatsApp. Or yeah. just on top of messaging. Yep. The kind of the very early proof of concepts were built on that. That's you said smart. you have another story? I do have one more as well. Uh, well, I have one thing that we could finish with, which is why accounting software partnerships fail. Okay, let me do my story first then. Yeah, because I want to get your take on this. Transition right you... into this, okay? Okay. So Stripe announces their new partnerships program. So Stripe, you know, Stripe, they're gigantic, what, $35, $60 billion private valuation. Mm -hmm. yeah, now they're, mm -hmm. every, you know, they're, they're part of so many apps we use. They are now offering a partner program. And what's interesting, what caught my eye about this, yes, there's the tech partners, right? All the apps that tie into Stripe and utilize Stripe, blah, blah, blah. But the other interesting part of this, consulting power partners. So just as you get certified and your name is listed in a directory for QuickBooks or Zero, you probably like, and this a lot of times with this, it's like, who's there first? Like you had success because you were the first Zero consultant or the second one in the States. Right. right? I'd suggest if you have some expertise in Stripe, go sign up on the Stripe Partners ecosystem website and get those leads. Get the leads. Yeah, exactly. Free leads. All right, let's finish up with this article I've been keeping here for a while. I want to get to it. I want to get your opinion on this, David, because the uh, headline is Why Accounting Software Partnerships Fail. I want to know what you think. Like partnerships between 
the relationship with the accounting firms or like, I don't know where you're headed on this. Software companies that are seeking to partner with accounting firms. So the, this is what you, I think the number one reason why is they don't approach it correctly. They look at accountants as salespeople. So here that's, that's number one, building sales channels, not partnerships. Two, they think uh, that spiffing the accountants is the way to go. Uh, that would be, yeah, well, so- or Financial I think incentives, right? When, when really yeah, the accountants, their main goal is to solve for their client. Right. So you're saying that this is part of the same paragraph or the same uh, problem, which is that a lot of times developers see accounting firms as sales channels and they are terrible sales channels because accountants <laughs> generally don't, like they don't want to resell your software. That's not the relationship they have with a client. So they're not a sales channel. They are a partnership. Yes, exactly. It's a partnership. Yeah. And the best way to have a partnership with them is help them solve for their clients in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. most of the times, a lot of that is just support. A lot of app companies do not give the support accountants need. I still insist like Expensify, if they had really good accountant support, Breck, these companies like Brex wouldn't even be in the game. <laughs> like, they, yeah. they would have won yeah. this a decade yeah. ago. Yeah. And the problem with Expensify and, and any software that doesn't have good customer support is that the client has the long-term relationship with the, the client. The accountant has the long-term relationship yep. with the client. They're not going to risk that to sell software licenses. And if you don't provide good support, they are really risking it because then they have to provide the support or the client has a bad time and they get blamed for it. Yeah. And if you think about, you know, uh, an accountant, right? you have your clients, let's say you believe in an app and you put all your clients on that app. It's only, a, it's a math. It's a numbers game. You're going to need support. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just, it's just going mm -hmm. to happen. Like there's just, so, so basically your best customers suffer the most if you don't have great support. And at the end, mm -hmm. it's software as a service, taking this right back to the start of the call, the show, right? Like yep. it's software as a service. And if you don't earn that money each month, they'll just move the clients. And for most apps, for the vast majority of apps, unless it's a super niche app, you can be moved and replaced like nothing. January 1st, payroll zero. New year to date totals are zero. New payroll app. Timesheet app, you can swap that out. Payments apps, you can swap payments apps out. Mm -hmm. So easy. Like all expense tracking apps, like all that stuff is, you're all replaceable. So the only thing you have is service. That's the only thing you have. Number two is over-promising and under-delivering. Accountants are bombarded with an endless stream of apps promising to grow revenue, save time, and kill Excel. Yeah. These days, the more tech-savvy accountants have developed sensitive antennae to detect vendor hype. Yes. We are cynical. And that, I, I would say, it's not even like tech-savvy. I think that's gone on from the old desktop days. It's been around for a very long time, vaporware. Like, and I've told yeah. the staff vendors, you have to go to all the conferences in the summer. You can't just show up to one because... They think you don't exist. They got to see you at three or four to know, oh, they're a serious business. Like they mm -hmm. exist. Like, yeah. Burning your bridges. So getting penetration with a small group of early adopter firms and then bailing on them, you know, not delivering with them. That is guaranteed to sink you because those early adopters talk, right? And, and the other firms listen to them. So that's one. Uh, negative comments in online accounting communities can be deadly. Uh, ignoring accounting nuances. That's the last one. And I like this one in particular. That's building, to me, that's building integrations that didn't get input from accountants on how to actually account for what you're doing. And that happens all the time. This is uh, this is my biggest 
like, I think is the most important thing for apps. Like every app will integrate, and, and I've seen thousands of them, right? Will integrate with QuickBooks to get the QuickBooks logo on their website. We integrate with QuickBooks. And pretty much all they're doing is syncing a name and an address. <laughs> like no, no actual accounting data right. is being synced in the right way to actually save the accountant time. So the accountant connects everything up, tries to use it. The data doesn't get there. Then the account's like, okay, this is a waste. Why do I want to use it? Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a mindset. Now it's tough to do that and it's not sexy. It's very hard to go into an investor meeting and be like, oh, we're going to add these three oddball fields <laughs> that are accounting to our app. It's, it's not exciting, but that's what keeps the accountants with you forever. This is why people use into yeah. a merchant service. Arguably it's a ripoff, but it's so beautifully integrated with QuickBooks. The time it you works. save makes it worth it. So that was an article by Johan Trogoboff, founder of Early Adopters Hub on Accounting Web. Link to that will be in the show notes. David, loved your feedback on that. Great to talk to you as always. If our listeners want to connect with you online, where can they do that? I'm on all these socials, just at David Leary. I am at Blake T. Oliver. Send me emails, blake at blakeoliver.com. You can record a voice memo and send that to me. We'll play it on the air. Love hearing from our listeners. It makes everything worthwhile to hear from you and get your feedback on the show. And don't forget, you can earn CPE for listening to this episode. Open up the Earmark CPE app on your Apple or Android device. Come back next week. Uh, and the course will be available so you can get a CPE credit for listening. That's the plan. That's, that's the dream. Let's make it as easy as possible. All right, David, have a great right. uh, rest of your week I'll, or weekend. Yeah, I think the accountant twins are here yeah. to record their, their episode. So All right. uh, go let them in the house here. Have fun. Awesome. Bye. Bye. Time for the classifieds. If you're looking to quickly grow a scalable, systematic seven-figure accounting firm without having to work 50-plus hours per week, check out Ryan Lozanis' online coaching membership, Future Firm Accelerate. Sign around Ryan's experience taking his cloud firm from scratch to sale so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You'll get online learning and topics that help you automate and systemize all aspects of your firm. You'll get coaching when you need help with implementation, and you'll also join a collaborative community of hundreds of other forward-thinking firm owners. For more details, head over to www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. Tired of clients not remembering to get W9s? Get W9 automates and streamlines the collection and storage of W9s. Get W9 has a QBO integration and they have a partner program that pays 25% commissions. Get W9 plans start at only $19 a year. Visit getw9.tax today to get started. That is getw9.tax. Are you still using emails to exchange sensitive files with your clients? Maybe you're using that old, complicated client portal that's painful to work with. Stop suffering and start using Firmsta. Firmsta is an innovative and secure client portal designed to help your accounting firm work more efficiently with your clients. With Firmsta's intuitive interface, you will quickly add your clients, easily create folders, and securely share files in no time. Firmsta also allows you to add your staff members so that you can access all your clients' information and collaborate effectively. Start your free 60-day trial now at firmsta.com. You'll love it or it's free. That's firmsta.com. Are you looking for a dream job in cloud accounting? We have the job for you. Advisors for Change delivers cloud accounting systems to small and medium nonprofit organizations. Join our team of friendly and collaborative nonprofit accounting professionals while working from home. 
Our systems associate will join our experienced systems manager to implement and support cloud accounting systems such as QBO, Bill.com, Divi, SASAN, and others. To learn more, head to our website at advisorsforchange.com slash join-our-team. That's advisorsforchange.com slash join-our-team. We'll find a link to the full position description on Indeed. Hey, podcast listeners, it's Blake, and I wanted to let you know about a new show I'm working on with CPA slash comedian Greg Kite and blogger slash former CPA Caleb Newquist. It's called Oh My Fraud, and it's a podcast all about financial crimes. That's right, a true crime podcast for accountants by accountants. Caleb and Greg are going to come together every couple weeks to unpack their favorite frauds and explore the circumstances, psychology, and interpersonal dynamics involved. They also fully indulge in victim-blaming the defrauded widows, orphans, infirm, and feeble-minded, because who can resist? If you fancy yourself a trusted advisor, or prefer your true crime with spreadsheets instead of corpses, listen to this show to learn what to watch out for and to keep your clients, your firm, and even yourself safe. To subscribe, go to ohmyfraud.com or search Oh My Fraud on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.